The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining us is Rick. Yeah, baby. How Rick star. We are talking about a win for a very long time, us two. Yeah. This is amazing. I'm so excited. I might even put on my sexy voice. (laughs) I'm that excited. I mean, what sort of... I was just saying to you, we we haven't really had a big win to talk about in God knows how long. It feels like a very long time. Since round one, I think you said. Uh, It could well be. It could be. We had to uh, we had to resort to going off air and talking about my uni days and the and the scores I used to get back then. Yeah, that's it. That's how that's how that's right. how long the trout's been. Mm. But I've got to say, let's sign up Ken. Ken can take us all the way. Let's sign him up right now. He's a ten year coach in the making. Let's sign him up to a uh, Terry Wallace six year deal or something like that. That'd be wonderful. Yes, yeah, sign him. He can take us all the way. This the guy is a genius. All the way with Ken Hinkley. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Love and hate. One thing we loved, one thing we hated about the weekend. What's your love, mate? Uh, there's, lot to, there's a lot to love. Um, actually, do yours first because I don't want to steal yours by random chance. All right. Well, which, you, which you usually do. So that's that's fine. But mine is the coaching yesterday. I loved how we made some changes that uh, actually came off and really changed the course of the game. And it hasn't happened often over the last couple of years, has it? But um, you know, the move of Wingard up into the middle and uh, and Westhoff forward really put the game in our favour. And it just changed our structures for the better. Um, mm-hmm. And a couple of. Uh, Subtle changes down back as well, which uh, which really came off too. But um, yeah, that's that's what I was really really uh, pleased about on the weekend was that um, I feel like our coaches won that game, and it's it's been rare that you've been able to say that um, in recent years, especially when we've been behind. Well, it is rare, and uh, especially for me because uh, I've lamented the coaches quite often. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. The coaches uh, made some adjustments and uh, and it actually worked. And I thought, yeah, we obviously will go into the game in a sec. But, you know, we started well, and, uh, and uh, but it was just dumb football to get West, po- West Coast back in the game. And it was like mm. 30 minutes of dumb football. But this time, the coaches actually changed it up. Maybe it was because that dumb football came early instead of in the halfway through the third quarter, how it generally does, and then we can't turn it around. Yeah. But a good love, a good love. I love it. Oh, look, I, I'm, I reckon probably 99% of Port supporters would have uh, written their game off halfway through that second quarter when um, they'd kicked seven goals in a row. Did um, you? Oh, yeah. Like, I was at work, so I wasn't watching it live, but I was checking the scores, and I was, I was shocked that we kicked the first four goals, and then suddenly the next time I checked, they were three goals up, and I thought, ah, here we go. <laughs> But then, mm. um, but then, even just looking at the scores, I was surprised how we sort of they got to that sort of nineteen point margin or whatever it was, and then we just sort of were able to steady it there, and then slowly peg it back. And then when I saw us get back under ten points, I thought, yeah, we're going to win this. We're a huge chance of winning this game, and really, mm. really glad that we did. 
I'm ecstatic that we did because it uh, it's a season-defining win in a way. I think pretty much if we lost this game, I was ready to concede defeat that we wouldn't probably make finals um, because the, the race for the finals mm. is close. And, yes, we've got a bit of a soft draw on the way home with the Collingwood Bulldogs and Gold Coast. Um, but... Yeah, it um, it would have been uh, it would have been tough, I reckon. But uh, yeah, I think mm. uh, we're a strong chance now to if we keep playing like we should, um, of maybe pushing and keeping that top four spot. The percentage will be vital. That's right. Uh, Pommy Power on the uh, Spreaky Chat. He's uh, stoked because he went over for the game, so he's the good luck luck charm now on, which is great. Scott Ken Collins um, hated the first quarter Hartlett handing West Coast momentum. But he loved third quarter Hartlett, so brave, so powerful, all leader, um, which uh, which we'll talk about a bit later on as well. Uh, Dylan Scotty. says that Hartlett has more howlers in him than Pittard circa 2013. No, um, no, no. Hey, that's just wrong. Dylan, get a shave, man. That's wrong. <laughs> Porsche, that's it. Porsche says that uh, 99% of Paul supporters would have written that game off based on past form. Uh, but then we had a forward line, which uh, which made a difference, which was great as well. So, yes, uh, lots of people on the speaker chat, which is great. What was your hate, if you have one? Well, I didn't even have my love. Mm. I don't actually yeah. have a hate. There's nothing to hate this week. Well, I got plenty. I got a hate. I got a couple, but I got mm. a hate. But I loved Hamish Hartlett, Macca. Mm. I'm with you. I thought it was a great game, and uh, and I thought he was tough. Put his body over the ball. He took a courageous mark. Awesome goal, and even last week his his game was fantastic until he got that quad, and it was um, um, it was really season defining, uh, game defining when he went off last week. I thought, um, and but I thought he came back, and I think the question mark um, for me, and it's something that I've been saying for a while, is Hamish looks a lot better when Broadbent isn't in the side. Can and I don't know if we can play Broadbent and Hamish in the same team. Well, it's, I'm not sure if it's just a broadband issue. I think it's just that we play nine back flanker issues. Um, that's, that's the problem, is that we've just got too many people down there. Um, and they mm. all sort of get in each other's way a little bit, I think. Mm. But my hate is, outside of Sam Mitchell, who's a diving little toe rag, um, is the, greater, the greater part is, um, is the umpires. I just, yep. I feel, you know... I'm starting to feel like a paranoid supporter where I feel like the umpires are reaming us every game or every second game. And, and surely the AFL's not fixed to go, oh, go out of your way to ream Port Adelaide. But I feel like we seem to get reamed week after week. Yeah, they seem to be trying their hardest to try and help coach uh, West Coast back into the game in that final quarter. And, you know, giving Mitchell the diver, I mean, it was clearly a dive. And where was the feel for the game by the umpire? in awarding a, a free kick, a 50 metre for that little push. You know, it was ridiculous. Well, and No, nah, I'm, I'm fine with that being a free kick. Like, he took it, he, he, he pushed him once. Just leave it at once. He had to go back for a second push and then he fell over. So I reckon if you do that, then, then you cop it on the chin. Was the umpiring no, he... really that bad? I've got to say, watching the replay, I didn't notice the umpiring at all. Uh, well, I'm with Ford, Ford Fairlane. For those that aren't on big footy, he's a big footy user. Um, West Coast, to me, looked like they were early pushing our players all the time. And they just mm. kept getting away with it. And uh, and it's quite dangerous. And 
Yeah, I thought there was a lot. And then the the 15 meter uh, kick in the last quarter, which was like five, um, they got away with that as well. Yeah, there was a lot, in my opinion, that they got away with. Yeah. A uh, couple of questions on the speaker chat. Bevan has asked, uh, do you think all other clubs will copy the game plan from the weekend and play two key forwards? Hmm. Hmm. What do you reckon? Possibly. Well, look, I don't know. I think we've had great success with the uh, the one toll forward line. So I'm, I'm quite happy for it to stay at one toll. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess. I mean, it worked on the weekend, didn't it? It did. Oh, it did. Who would have thought yeah, we, adding another toll we, up there to help out Dixon would work? No, no. Yeah, I mean, no one's been crying for it. So let's just keep going with what's going. I like finishing between 9th and 15th. It's it's good. It's great. But uh, Dylan has we'll also in. asked that uh, should yeah. we be worried that Gold Coast or Collingwood will poach Hinkley after it was discovered that he remembers you can actually change tactics mid-game? Mm. Well, that was the plan B, isn't it? Mm. Are you concerned too. that he might be uh, might be poached? No. Nah. Anyone's poachable, but any, anyone's replaceable. That's it. Straight bat, Rit. I like that. Yeah. Uh, on to the questions from Bigfooty. Uh, Christoph has asked, what's the best way to cook when you have to eat your own words? Do you prefer to pan fry or deep fry? I just choose to go on a diet. Mm. And just not eat and them not eat, mm. And not eat them. Well, I think poached words is uh, is quite nice. Bit of black pepper on top. Mm. I don't mind the odd poaching every now and again. <laughs> That's it. Uh, <laughs> what's he, what's asked, he try- I don't get what he's trying to say with that question. Well, I think, you know, pretty much nobody gave us a chance of winning that game. And even less mm. people gave us a chance of winning that game once we were four goals down. Mm. I guess I guess some people even said that Hankley had to be sacked during the week last week, so maybe that's what he's talking about. Probably. Uh, Paff has asked, Atley has a bit of Cassisi about him. Different player, but seems to have that get down in the trenches and get the ball out that we've missed since Cassisi retired. Was it a once-off, or has he shown that in the SANFL as well? I don't see any Cassisi in him at all. He actually looks like a good footballer. <laughs> very harsh. Very, Sorry. very harsh. That's Rick's joke for the night. No, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, Cassisi was a tagger. I, I don't I mean, see this... much Cassisi in him either. I see a lot of Josh Carr in him, if we're going to relate yes. him back to a poor play. He just he like moves the same. He looks the same. He's Yeah, I don't know. I, I see a lot of Josh in him. Yeah, I, I like that one. Josh... Mm. Josh liked the body contact, hard and physical, and I, I'm just loving where they're going with the team finally, and you know we're getting some real mongrel players, and uh, and Atley loves the uh, the body contact and wines and SPP. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah, for sure. Was it a once off, or was he shown that in the SANFL? He's definitely shown that in the SANFL um, a lot. Like that's that's how he plays. He's definitely in and under. He can get the ball on the outside. He's super quick as well. So. Um, once he gets going, I think he's going to be a mighty player. I never realised he was super quick. Um, is he that quick? He is, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, 
I think, uh, yeah, body-wise, he loves the physicality, and I think he'll only get better. Um, I guess I, I think he just sort of uh, adjusted to the pace of the game early, got caught out a couple of times, but, you know, most first-year players do get caught out a few times, and yeah. every player gets caught out at some stage. So uh, let's, I think, give the guy a break, and I, I really hope he holds his spot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Needs Gravy has asked, uh, who hit flopper Mitchell Harder, Houston or Kane? Oh. <laughs> well... Yeah, I referenced that too. Because Kane got two weeks for that bump, didn't he? He did, yeah. That was the most ridiculous suspension. Yeah, I don't know. Probably uh, probably uh, it was a draw. Both the same. Yeah, I reckon Kane's was worse. It was harder. It was a hell of a lot harder. Come on. Mitchell is the biggest diver. Kane couldn't hurt a kitten. He's that innocent. Ask Damien Hardwick. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought Kane hit him harder. Was it worth the really? suspension? Definitely not. But he like he at least had a run up and sort of bumped into him, whereas Houston just sort of nudged him in the back a couple of times. Look, as I said, Houston shouldn't have even got a bloody um, free kick against him. It was a dive. Should mm. have been staging. If anything, Houston should get the rising star this week for being a superstar. He was very good, and that yeah, he was very very good. Um, and Pommy Power, Pommy yeah. Power has asked, uh, "What's the best way to cure my hangover from the game last night?" Mm. Some uh, buttered mushrooms on some rye bread with a couple of poached eggs, a uh, bit of hollandaise sauce, smashed avocado with feta, and uh, a coconut milk uh, latte. Mm. I'm going to say Sodos fish shop, cod chips, and potato cakes. <laughs> I like the self-promotion Good work Gotta do it mate uh, Magpies yeah. Power has asked Which footy rivalry is bigger A. Port versus the Crows B. Port versus Norwood Or C. El Scorcho versus Janus Oh I'm liking the El Scorcho versus Anus Battle at the moment I think that's uh, pretty good I mean uh, Anus has become the resident Big footy uh, expert Self-proclaimed But um yeah, I don't know. No, nah, Port Crows, I reckon. Do you think it supersedes Port Norwood? Oh, for sure. Is Port now versus got Norwood eight... even a rivalry anymore? Well, we've got eight SA and a field. Can you have rivalries that... in different competitions? No. Nah. I'm not sure. Not really. Well, it depends if you still class the Magpies as uh, the Port side or not, I guess. Look, you know, when our reserves beats their first team, then... Um... You know, it's a good thing. We're in a good situation. <laughs> That's for sure. But yes, I'm uh, watching this uh, scorched anus battle uh, quite uh, dramatically. It's wonderful. Uh, it went uh, went off today. I loved it. It was good. Too much too much chilli? Possibly. Possibly. Uh, Papagello was asked, uh, is an SPP spear tackle our best defence against a North Korean missile attack? Well, it's a great um, segue to what I wanted to ask you. Did I found you've watched the replay, right? Yeah, yeah. So I thought that 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 tackle was like the turning point for us in the game. It was like he just ran off the bench and went, you know what? Screw this! I'm going to just do something crazy, and he hit that guy so freaking hard. 
I felt sorry for the guy that he smashed. And I mean, the courage of him, but that really just turned it around. It was just, he just, he was the one that sort of drew the line in the sand and went, no, I'm not putting up with this. And he just just went out and he was just going to hit the first person that he could hit legally. And uh, And it was so great. And he (laughs) did. And it, it took him like five seconds. And I mean, the kid's just an absolute brick wall. And, uh, yeah, but it turned it around for us. I guess, yeah, it just raised the bar and the intensity of the whole playing group and and it, and then it brought Chad into the middle and, uh, yeah, and then the win was the next thing that happened. But, uh, um, yeah, so I would take uh, SPP over and I'd take him over a nuclear missile. God, if I tried to run at someone, first of all, I can't run that quick, so it wouldn't happen anyway. But second of all, if I ran into someone that hard, I would end up with probably four broken ribs, a punctured lung, and a burst spleen, or something like that. I, I would and literally have, die. I would die. And you'd have you'd have to dead. go to the uh, nail salon and get your get a pedicure because you would have broken a nail or something, right? Pro- probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's more painful than punctured lung, I reckon. Broken nail for sure. Especially if it goes deep, man. That's uh, that's tricky. Oh, that's hard to deal well, with. What about what about when you bite your nail and you peel it and you peel it too deep? Oh, that really yeah. hurts too. Yeah. Instant regret, that is. But, you know, SPP's so tough, I reckon he probably just pulls his whole nails out. He doesn't have nails. That's it. He probably just thinks, I don't need nails. Screw that. I'll just pull them out. That's right. Monkey Tunk Man has asked, why is it that the team seems to play better away from home? Do they? Is it too late to go back to Amy Stadium? Mm, Can they reinstall all the seats again? They didn't play well there either, though. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Did they take the seats out of Amy? Yeah, most of them are gone. Oh, are they? Well, what have they got now? Well, nothing. It's just concrete. Just a concourse. It's like back what it used to be in 1978 or something. So. Oh. So what they do the seats? Move them Adelaide Oval? Oh, I don't... Probably not, no. Recycle them. That was already oh. built by the time that uh, <laughs> we stopped playing at Amy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So what's... Are we Maybe Norlunga's like... suddenly got 30,000 uh, plastic seats. Are we that bad at Adelaide Oval? Oh, probably suboptimal, right. I would think, at this point in time. Yeah. I guess it's just the big games that are letting us down there. And I, I think, I wonder if it is that we, uh, the players, just feel the pressure of the home crowd and just want to perform so much for the home crowd and, and so they put too much pressure on themselves. Yeah. I Maybe. wonder. I don't know. Uh, Big Daddy has asked her, do you agree that Hartlett, Boke and Westhoff all had their best game for some time? Well, I'd like to see someone try and argue against that. I reckon Boke's round one was better than what he played yesterday. Uh, But certainly Hartlett, that's the best he's played since probably 2015. And Mm. uh, definitely the best game Westhoff's played all year, for sure. What a goal by Hamish. You just knew he was going to nail it, didn't you? That's why I keep banging on that he should be played on a forward flank, not a back flank, because he can do that. And there's not many players in the league that can do that. Like, what's what's better off, him getting 14 nondescript touches down back or getting 14 touches in the forward 60-metre zone and him having a, a chance of kicking those sorts of goals every week? Mm. Should we just have him and uh, SPP and Broadbent when, they're, when he's playing, just hovering the man on the mark? from 55 out and just kicking it long. Mm. Floodbusters for goal. Floodbusters, version two. Yeah. That's it. 
Uh, power, power, power has asked, uh, love the win, but should we be concerned that West Coast absolutely S&M'd us for 30 minutes? I'm worried if a good team with good disposal and a proper key forward had that run, we would have been 40 to 50 points down. Oh. West Coast have a proper key forward. Like, Darling's had a really good year. Um, I'm concerned I that we would be further down against a good team. Um, they kicked seven goals, six um, in that run. Darling kicked three goals, one of that, which is pretty good. I'm not sure a better team or any other key forward would have kicked more. Uh, my concern is it's happened five times this year already against Adelaide. It happened. They kicked something like six goals, five to a point. Um, GWS, it happened in the last quarter. Essendon, obviously, that first quarter disaster happened last week against Richmond and, and this week as well. That Teams have gone on these runs and I don't know, I'm taking the positive view, which is that uh, in 38 minutes, we scored one behind, um, yet we still managed to score 120 points for the game. Yeah. So we've got a a very, very potent attack when it's on song. When it's on song, I think it's like every AFL team is relying on a a strong midfield winning clearances, um, and we were getting pants for half an hour there. I don't think West Coast could have been much further in front. I mean, we were lucky we had that fast start and kicked four goals. And I think that's probably been a difference to some of the other games. Uh, we haven't had the luxury of that lead through uh, ineffective kicking. Yeah. And so that so when those teams have had their, their little spurt, um, yeah, we've been a bit further behind than that. But, uh, yeah, I think that might have been one of the differences. Yeah, for sure. As I said, uh, it, it is a concern that we do this quite often. And we have under Hinkley the whole time he's coached, um, which is certainly a concern. But um, there's probably not much that can uh, change about that now, I wouldn't think. No. Uh, Power, power, power has also asked, why are people from Poland called Poles, but people from Holland are called Dutch instead of Holes? Well, I'm Dutch. Mm. And I get called an asshole all the time. There you go. So his logic's wrong. Do you think uh, there's a bit of correlation there, or do you think they're sort of separate issues, maybe? No. Oh. Well, now that you mention it, <laughs> I thought he, I thought that was just getting called an asshole because they all Dutch called assholes. But what do you say? Maybe it's me. Oh my god! Possibly. Possibly. I don't know. I've actually wondered the same thing. I don't know. It's a bit random, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, Blag has asked, uh, was the so-called move of Westhoff going forward in the second half actually a move, or just did he find more of the ball there due to our mids? Hmm. It's definitely a move. It was definitely a move. Like, he, he's he been playing on a wing pretty much all year, and then he finds himself, you know, playing pretty deep forward. So, I... I don't know. It seems like some people on the forum seem to want to sort of discredit the coaches for the moves they made in this particular game and instead of uh, celebrating the fact that they actually made moves that came off for once, uh, which is what I, I'm doing. I actually felt like the players actually delivered in the second half some really great kicks to leading forwards as well. Yeah. Instead, oh, of, instead of, So they rewarded the leading forward, Dixon, Westhoff, Trangove, yeah. Um, rather than just ignoring them and then just bong- bombing it long. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing when you, you stop bombing it, um, allowing 15 West Coast players to just shroud the ball and then bloody jump and get it and mark it, 
and kick it to a lead, kick it to that first leading target, how it creates activity. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think, yeah, it was definitely a, a ploy, but then the same ploy was to actually kick it to him. And right. uh, what was more amazing was these bloody stats of the two, those two positions on the ground of his goal kicking accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what was it? The one in the last nil. quarter on the boundary, it was twelve goals, nothing. Twelve nil. Yeah. Everyone's a bloody goal. It's like, come on, you're talking about Justin Westhoff here. Yeah. But That's because he's kicked him... twelve goals, zero behinds, and about fifty six out on the full, probably. But... <laughs> No, he's always been good. He's always been good at uh, at those tough kicks. Um, I'm sure the uh, the percentages would be much much worse when he's uh, 25 meters dead in front. No, that was pretty good too. I think I think it's when it's like 35 out, that in between range. That's when he uh, starts to go to water a little bit. But who cares? Because he kicked the goals that mattered, and so did Jackson. That's right. Uh, budget Bugit. Bugay, whatever you want to uh, pronounce that one, is uh, what do you think Atley and Drew's pass mark is for this season? Atley and Drew? Yeah. Well, Drew would be to play the season, I guess, in the SANFL. I would, At- I would say Drew's probably already reached his pass mark, to be honest. Like, he's playing really good SANFL footy. Um, is he going to find himself in the AFL side? Maybe, maybe not. I don't think he needs to play AFL for it to be a pass mark this year. And I think Atley's pretty close. I think if Atley if Atley gets four games in the AFL, I think he's definitely a above pass. But um, that's a, a distinction, I reckon. But uh, you know, it's not easy for a first year player to get uh, AFL games in the first season. So uh, yeah, and he's been producing good form in the SANFL. So I don't know what else he could really do. Yeah, for sure. Right, on to the review. Port played West Coast yesterday afternoon and won 18 goals 12 to 13 goals 10. A uh, wonderful come-from-behind 32-point victory. Uh, Charlie Dixon was the star with five goals, uh, whilst uh, Robbie kicked three. Then the three tolls in Westhoff, Trengove and Ryder slotted two goals each. So, let's split this up. What happened in that first half there, mate? Why, I guess, did we find ourselves four goals up? And then why did we find ourselves four goals down? Well, we just dominated in the beginning. Like we won the midfield, the clearance, and just hit some targets. And then, um, but the, there was still a bit of a warning sign, even when we were though getting that four goal lead, where we were just bombing it high and deep, and the West Coast were just intercept marking. And I think, I think the commentators mentioned they had like seven intercept marks in the first quarter. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, and then obviously what was happening is. Um, you know, West Coast was then able to do their counter-attack run and, and deliver the ball the other way and run through any zone before we could set it. Um, yeah, and that, to me, I mean, in a simplistic term, um, was pretty much the problem now, our delivery. And then what happened after that is, I don't know, like the midfielders just disappeared altogether for like 15 minutes. We we just lost all midfield cohesiveness in the middle or around the ground and the stoppages and... Um, yeah, and West Coast just dominated. But we were just lucky that, you know, it, without the ball, we were still trying to apply some pressure and, and sort of mitigated the uh, the damage as much as we could. But, you know, there was, yeah, we were, like we said earlier, I think we were lucky that we had that early spurt that gave us a four-goal lead. So yeah. uh, any deficit wasn't huge. Uh, did you notice anything different outside of that? 
I don't know, it just seemed like our midfield went missing for about 20 minutes there, which was the, the main cause, I think. Like, Ebert went out of the game, Wines went out of the game, uh, both struggled a little bit, and outside of them, no one else was really getting the ball, and then like we, we just couldn't get the ball forward at all. Uh, Robbie Gray was well shut out by Shepard in that first half. Elliot Yo was doing what he pleased, sort of across half-back and through the midfield. Um, and that second quarter was, was pretty damn ugly, i got to say. Even though we were able to sort of stem the flow towards the end of it, um, watching it back on replay, it was, you know, sort of Benny Hill-like again uh, with the, the, the types of mistakes that we were making, the really poor positioning, um, silly free kicks, silly errors. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing that we were able to turn that around, to be honest. Yeah, and you're right. Um, disposals was probably a little bit ranked too. We weren't hitting our targets. We just, yeah, just... I don't know. Just it was like someone turned the switch off and went play badly, yeah. and so they went okay, and uh, they played badly. But um, as we said earlier, you know, you had that S- SPP um, uh, tackle, and and that sort of really revved the boys up. And then we started to break even just after the halfway mark of the the second quarter, and then it started turning itself around. Yeah. And look, our delivery inside forward fifty was pretty terrible. Uh, it's got to be said, like Trengove had no influence in that first half at all. Dixon kicked uh, kicked an early goal, but then barely got another touch. And, and as I said, Robbie was uh, completely shut out um, after his early goal as well. Um, but yeah, why did we? Uh, what turned the game in our favour after half time? Obviously, we've spoken that uh, Wingard went into the middle and uh, Westoff sort of went a little bit deeper forward. Was there anything else that you noticed which um, which sort of uh, helped us get back into that game? Well, the leaders stood up. I mean, Wingard was instrumental. I think he had, what, six or seven clearances in the third quarter. Um, so, I mean, he was just really driving the ball out of the centre clearance. And winning the centre clearance is uh, uh, obviously going to take us a long way to, uh, you know, winning the game. But uh, I thought Travis Boak, I thought he had his best game for the year. Um, I thought Brett Ebert stood up as well. Hamish Hartlett was playing well and Brett Ebert. in the game. There you go. Yeah, Brett, Brett Ebert's come out of retirement. Good stuff. Brett, Brett, Brad, you know what I mean. Come on, I'm, get, I'm getting old, Macca. <laughs> it's, that, it's that arsehole thing that's still weighing on me. But, um, yeah, but Brett Ebert, yeah, he played his better game for a few weeks as well. Um, so all the leaders you know, stood up. And then Ollie Wines, who's a leader but a young leader, uh, he was just a monster in the pack as well, and they were using their weight influence. And, and I think even the courage of uh, Power Pepper to come back out on the ground with a sore shoulder, um, yeah, I think it just lifted everyone as a whole, and they just hunted. They hunted the body, and they yeah. used the ball well. The, you know, that was the thing for me in that second half. They, um, the leaders were using the ball well. They, everyone was standing up, doing their job, and they played as the per- the perfect team game. Yeah. I think we made a bit of a shift down back as well. I think DBJ and Pittard swapped opponents, and that really helped um, how things were going. Um, we, we seemed to uh, adjust our structures down back a bit as well in terms of positioning, because uh, we did start taking a lot more intercept marks across half back as well, um, which allowed us to really sort of slingshot back out of there. Um, as you said, our midfield really got going once again, uh, which was great. Uh, they started to get first hands on the ball, and we just found ourselves having a lot of space inside 50. Like, you know, Westhoff was uh, was getting some decent uh, leads in and was uh, warranted with those leads. Trengo was finding space. Dixon, as you mentioned before, uh, some of his leading and the kicks to his leads was just uh, 
it was just brilliant, um, especially in that last quarter. Can I just say, too, I've been really confused with Jasper and what's going on with his form. And it was almost like halfway through the third quarter, it was the old Jasper seeming to come back. And I think he started playing a little bit higher as that halfback flanker. And he started to, uh, to decide to uh, take the ball and, and run and carry and, and try and break the lines a little bit, which was a great thing. And uh, by the last quarter, he, he looked like it was the Jasper of old again. Is, is that how you sort of saw Jasper's game? I didn't really notice him much at all, to be honest. I thought he was neither here nor there on the weekend. Uh, I don't think he played particularly well, but I don't think he played poorly either. It was just sort of like a vanilla sort of game. Yeah, but I I, I thought he was poor. But then I, um, yeah, I really thought he started to work his way into the game. Um, yeah. And you can say, but I mean, I th- he's still got a, a bit of a way to go. Uh, but I do think, uh, yeah, you can see that there was something uh, coming back, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, he's not completely there. Yeah, I heard you right. I heard you shit-can DBJ as well, is that right? I didn't shit-can him, I just said it was probably his worst game for the year. But having said that, it was still not a bad performance. Like, his was a probably a 4 out of 10 performance. It wasn't a disaster. It's not like I thought he was terrible. I just thought he's been a lot better uh, in pretty much every other game this year. See, I thought he's had a pretty pretty flat year this year. Yeah, he's definitely hasn't played the same as what he did last uh, year. I don't see that. I don't see. I think I don't know. Like the criticism of both, I think the criticism of DBJ is a little bit over the top and and a little bit unwarranted. I think he's been perfectly fine this year. He's performed a little bit of a different role, um, but I think he's done it really, really well. And he's shut down some really, really good forwards this year. Well, we've just spoken about DBJ and Pittard and a little bit about Hartlett. Should we just talk about the defensive group as a whole? Yeah, if you want to. How'd you? What did you think? You, you're still thinking Homsch is a little bit off? Homsch didn't have his best day with the ball. I thought he was a bit of a disaster with the ball in his hands, but I thought he was wonderful defensively. Mm. Like Petrie, Who was I barely even knew Petrie was out there. Who was our best defender on the day? Hartlett, I would think, because I had him second best on ground. So if you count him what as a, a defender, then, yeah, he would be our best tall defender. Tall defender? Tall defender, probably Jonas, I reckon. Yeah. Because I think um, he did a great job on McGovern. I, I think that's something that uh, West Coast really missed the boat on, is that they were trying to play McGovern up forward. Um, obviously because Kennedy's out, and he's done that a fair bit in recent weeks. But um, I don't know. They needed to throw him down back late mm. in that game. And he could have really turned that game in West Coast's favour, but he was stuck doing sweet FA on the sort of half-forward line. Yeah. he um, Look, Jonas was a monster. I mean, I love that gift, whoever made it, with his, uh, with his spoil and then the bump of the player to stop the goal. I mean, he's. I was very critical of him last year. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe these players just are carrying injuries into the game and we don't realise and, you know, and that just affects their form. Maybe a bit like Homps this year. I don't know. But uh, Jonas was nowhere near the player he was a couple of years ago. But this year he's really come back. And, you know, he's physically strong now and uh, playing on players that are taller than him. But it doesn't matter. He's, he's just having a cracker of the season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Should, do you think he should be considered for All-Australian selection? 
like Who's in the greatest squad? Jonas. Uh, the greatest squad? Look, I think he's had a wonderful season, but as I've said a couple of times on the podcast, he's not the sort of player that's ever going to be in an old Australian squad because he's, he's just not fashionable enough. He doesn't get enough of the ball. Um, and these days, if you want to make old Australian down back, you've got to have some sort of rebounding game as well, pretty much. Mm. Uh, so that that's unfortunate for him, but look, he's... He's had a monster year. Like he, the turnaround in his form from the last couple of seasons, where he's, you know, not been at his best, um, it's, it's been a revelation. Yeah, he's been awesome. Yeah. But they've all been awesome. And Dan Houston, like we said earlier, I mean, he's been a bit unlucky that he hasn't maybe got a rising star nomination already. But he should do. He's been amazing. Yeah, for sure. Like he's. Um... Again, he's been a revelation down back. I loved his first half. I thought his his first ten to fifteen minutes was was a real key reason why we were well in front. I thought because he was just marking everything down back. Um, then he sort of uh, I don't know he, he sort of got caught out a couple of times, but outside of that, like he's just a dead eye dick with the ball. Like he's not going to waste the footy when he's got it, um, and that's the sort of person you need in finals. And I can't wait to see what he does in finals, to be honest. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, we will make finals now. Oh, I would think so, for sure. Um, I think it's... Yeah, just want to talk a little bit more about the forward line and the space that we had. Um, yes. Obviously, we've been very, very critical of Jackson Trengove up forward and how he's only taken one mark inside 50 in uh, seven weeks. Well, he took three on the weekend. Um, kicked two goals. That was his best... Probably his best performance up forward as a whole, I would think. Um, the other one was uh, Charlie Dixon. He had seven marks inside 50. So that shows the amount of space and, and the amount of good leading that he had. And he'd only taken five marks inside 50 in the previous five weeks as well. So that was uh, his big day out as well. And we mentioned Westhoff um, and those wondering if he did actually move forward or if it was a mirage. Well, he took four marks inside 50. He hadn't taken a mark inside 50 for three weeks. Well, if you if you mark a ball inside fifty and you kick a goal inside fifty, doesn't that mean you've been up forward? Yeah, I, w- I yeah. would think so. Yeah, but I think I think the key difference is like a they kick the goals, but b well most importantly, so it should really be a is the fact that the players kick the ball well to the leading forward. Mm. That was the difference. You know, it wasn't to a three-on-one. It wasn't on their head as a stationary forward. Uh, the players were predominantly leading. Yeah. And that's how they got the ball. And the players kicked it well. And they, they, and that was the difference between the first and the second half. They lowered their eyes and they hit that first target. Whether it was a 15-metre kick or a 30-metre kick, didn't matter. They just lowered their eyes and hit it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, instead of just bombing it long to no one. And we... We had more of a forward structure, which I guess was helping because we could have a forward structure because we were winning more of the contested ball. Yeah, for sure. With, I want to talk about... The co- um, just quickly, go, were the coaches maybe a little bit more courageous this game? Well, I think yeah, they had to they, be. I think they had to be. That's, that's right. I mean, I think oh, it was almost like the Richmond game. They were too conservative, like they were afraid to lose. And so... There was no aggression, uh, aggressive game plan. It was like, well, just chip the ball, hold the ball, move it around, and 
you know, we'll get there. And, you know, this one we were like four goals down and then I were like, shit, we've got to do something. All right, let's get a bit of a forward structure and let's just go for it. And yeah. it was almost like a 2014 model of Port Adelaide. It was. Uh, look, I think the uh, the wide open spaces of, of Subiaco sort of help the way that we play the game. Um, that sort of fast movement and, and wanting to run with the ball. Even though guys like Impey and, and White didn't really see much of the ball, Sammy Gray as well, um, I thought that that was one of the, the big reasons why we won because we were able to play a bit more of our natural game than we probably get to do at home. Mm. But isn't Subiaco narrow? Yeah, but it's bloody long. <laughs> so you can sort of, you know, keep... There's more space to move the ball, even if it's a narrow ground because it's so long. Mm. I think it's a good sort of 15, 20 metres longer than most other AFL grounds, so... So it's longer, not wider. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, I want to talk about Paddy Ryder, who I thought was best on ground. That's uh, by far his best performance of the year, I think. Um, 39 hitouts. Uh, he had 17 touches, two goals. Uh, so he did his bit around the ground for sure. And look, I'd love to know his hitouts for advantage stat because I reckon he must have had at least 15 clear tap downs to our midfielders. Yeah, well, it didn't show that. I think it came up at the end that he had like 10 or 11 to advantage, but I don't know how they work that stuff out because, I mean, he was so influential. It was amazing. And it was, uh, you could see almost the Brendan Laid influence with Paddy because, you know, some of those behind the back sort of taps and, and really looking oh, for the. Late yeah. to Burgoyne esque. Those uh, behind, it? The, uh, behind the back ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's been a few Port supporters uh, crying for a proper ruck coach for a while now. And uh, I think you can see the effects of uh, of having one. And yeah, I mean, it's a shame Nick Nat, well, not really, because he's a great player. But mm. in a way, I'd like to see <laughs> Paddy against Nick Nat because, uh, yeah, there'd be an interesting battle, those two. Crying for a proper ruck coach, we've been crying for a proper ruckman as well. So, um, yeah, Paddy's had a great year. And look, uh, the groundswell around him being All-Australian just seems to be picking up a lot of steam. And um, You would think he's probably in the box seat now, the way that uh, the what? people in the media are talking. Not Sam Jacobs? And no, probably not Sam Jacobs, no. Oh, I thought he was like a Monty. <laughs> No, no, I reckon he's probably overtaken uh, the the Ruckman that I had in front of him three or four weeks ago when we had this discussion. So, yeah, What about Vardy? Vardy, who's got the smallest head-to-body ratio of any human I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's got, he's got like this Lego head on this massive 200-centimetre body. It's crazy. I need to watch the replay now. I didn't notice it. but uh, So it's a bit of a pinhead, is that what you're saying? A bit of a pinhead, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he smashed him. He absolutely smashed him. Like Vardy had, what, two marks and 14 hitouts or something. Lysa was a bit underdone, I thought. Um, he, he just didn't seem him, himself either. So it just uh, made it all the more better and all the more dominant for Paddy. Yeah. He had a great so, game. He did. So, Boak, was that uh, one of his best um, performance? Not just performances, but captain's performances as well? Oh, yeah, I think so. He really stood up. He ran hard. He seemed to appreciate the uh, the midfield run, uh, the opportunity. And he was really involved in the link-up and distributing. And, you know, I guess that's the Travis Boak that we know. And I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with him this year. 
Mm. I don't know if they're trying to hold protect his body a little bit, or if he's been injured, and or they're just trying to give more exposure to the younger boys and uh, or the bigger bodies maybe. But uh, yeah, so he's been a little bit in and out of the side and in form. But yeah, no, he was definitely. Uh, I thought it was a great performance on the weekend. He performed basically the the perfect link up midfielder's role. I thought you know he was able to find a lot of space through the middle of the ground, uh, especially through the corridor as well, and just um, led the way. I thought you know kicked a really nice goal, um, took a lot of marks, um, and, and was involved in a lot of score involvements as well. And and I think his disposal efficiency was over eighty percent, so he used it exceptionally well too. Yeah, I was going to say his ball use was noticeably better. Yeah. I That's the best he's up, used the ball all year. Yeah, I think he had one rank disposal, but I mean, every player has bad disposals. You can't help it. But uh, yeah, overall, it was a uh, it was a great game. I thought it was anyway. Sammy Palpebel, we spoke about that huge bump on Elliot Yo, but his courage to come back onto the field. Um, I don't know if he was shaken by the knock or if he was you know a little bit stressed. Maybe like all his family and friends were in the stands, that sort of thing. But he could have had a game for the ages in that second half to, to you know, pop out his shoulder and he looked all, all gone for all money. And then to come back on the field and, and have two or three real great chances to slot goals, if he had to kick two or three of those, that, that would be a performance we'd be speaking about in 10, 20 years' time. Absolutely. I mean, he was, I think... Uh... One of the commentators uh, put out there that, you know, obviously he needed to adjust for his sore shoulder with a ball drop or something. But yeah, he, he missed probably a couple of goals that he would normally get. So obviously yeah. the uh, the shoulder was a bit sore and was affecting him. But, uh, yeah, it was a huge effort. And uh, I guess, you know, he doesn't look anything like him. But physicality-wise, he, he's probably the most physical player we've had since Pickett, I'd imagine. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And and I can't wait to see... Uh, I didn't think Atley really timed it well enough, so he probably didn't know how to use his strong body work as well as what he can either. But once Atley picks up the timing, I mean, to think you've got Wine, Atley, and potentially SPP all on the same side, I mean, there's going to be some bruised opposition players going around. Yeah, no doubt. So do we know... Mate, Nathan Loney got... unlucky, mate. In that uh, oh. in that conversation, but uh... oh yeah 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 Nathan Nathan was a great physical player yeah loved loved him I, I you know he's one of the all time great poor players he wasn't called hardball Nathan for no reason so <laughs> there you go uh, Joey Atley was... in his debut how did you think he performed he's okay I mean I think everyone's a bit tough on him I mean yeah okay he missed a couple of handballs and stuff like that but. Yeah, he was. It's a big jump up going from the SANFL and and then uh, playing the Eagles and then uh, going to play the West Coast Eagles, the real Eagles. Mm. So um, yeah, but I thought overall he was quite good. He was he 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 used the ball quite well. I noticed you thought his first two disposals were mint. Um, yeah, so they were, they were great. Two just cutting handballs. One on the wing, um, which I think almost led to a scoring shot early in the first quarter, and then he had another. Top-notch handball, which uh, led to, I think, it was either Wingard's or Robbie's goal. I can't remember which one, but um, he definitely played a, a big part in that in one of those goals early on in the game. And Look, he got caught a few times in that first quarter or, or first couple of quarters as well, and you know, he's going to adjust um, in terms of 
you know, learning the amount of time that you're not going to have at AFL level. Um, I think he sort of figured that out a little bit as the game went on as well. Um, mm. Wasn't the greatest debut I've seen, but I thought he definitely did a job and uh, and did it reasonably well. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope he keeps his spot. But uh, there was one, know... one piece of play. Sorry to interact, interrupt, but there was one piece of play. I think it was to the left of screen where I think one of our players got ta- it might have been Polek got tackled uh, and done holding the ball. And uh, one of the West Coast players sort of let him know about it, and in comes Atley like a steam train and just bundles this West Coast guy over off of off of a Polek. And I saw that and just nodded in approval, like, "Yep, that's what we want." Hmm. No, he's a good player. I'm enthusiastic about him. I uh, and I know you were. You've been waiting all year for him to uh, to get his gig. So uh, I'm, I'm just happy for you, Macca, that he finally he got in. I was toey as a Roman sandal, mate, and uh, very stoked that he got his go on the weekend. Almost, almost as toey as Ford Fairlane wanting um, Billy Frampton to be playing in the seniors. Yes, yes, indeed. But is, does this mean this performance? No tall players are going to be picked for Port Adelaide outside of the what's already in the team for the rest of the year. It would be hard for um, a tall player to come in next week. That's for sure. So. Billy's a bit unlucky after his game in the SANFL, but uh, I mean, it, it depends what happens. It depends what happens with Westhoff. Does he stay up forward? Does he go back to his wing role? What happens with Trengove? Does he, you know, is this a one-off performance? Does he go back to being sort of less than useful um, deep forward again? Like, I, I still think there's a spot open for someone to come in, whether that's Howard or Eddie or or Frampton at some point, but it just really depends on performances at this stage. So would you rest Power Pepper this week against North Melbourne? It depends on his shoulder and how bad it is. Like, Well, let's assume, yeah. let's assume that it's a bit sore and bruised and whatever. I, I mean, me personally, I'd probably give him a break. Yeah. Just give him one week off. Not going to hurt. Yeah, it's probably not going to hurt. Because then um, he can run through Viney the following week. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, and I mean, if it, I mean, if it's gonna, if it's between Atley being dropped for Broadbent hypothetically, or um, Sam Power Pepper being rested and Atley getting another game against, you know, a softer team, if the, if we can actually say that this season, um, yeah, I'd probably give Power Pepper just the rest and let him ease up on his shoulder. And yeah, you know, he's had a physical workload this year, and I know he's a big guy, but um, I don't think it would hurt at all. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's a fair call, that one. Uh, the, I guess the last player I want to talk about is Chad Wingard. Um, just how he turned the game in that second half. He just uh, was reading Ryder's tap perfectly and had a massive part to play. And Have we pretty much seen the end of Chad Wingard, the, the perma-forward? Yeah, I think it's the perma-forward, but I think he will still be up forward. But um, this is the evolution of the Chad, isn't it? This is the brown. This is the brownlow Chad in the making. It is. I was just about to I, say, is this? Is it now time to make Chad the perma midfielder? Oh, yeah. Whatever permanent definition of permanent midfielder is these days, because everyone plays everywhere. But yeah, I mean, look, I actually like. I mean, everyone thought Atley was coming in, pushing Chad a little bit more forward, and I guess he was more forward. But then the call was, hey, you need to get in there. And I mean, I guess what we've got now is a very dynamic and organic team, which can 
got a lot of players that can play all aspects of the ground and uh, and I mean and versatile so it makes it very hard for opposition coaches um, to really uh, ascertain uh, you know where they're going to be and who you put on them um, yeah. you know and so I mean they had Chad starting in the forward and running through to the uh, the midfield and you know so it's a way of trying to lose a player as well but yeah he was great and the only thing that I'm concerned of is going to break his run of all Australian every two years. I think I think he might miss out this year, but I think uh, I think he'll be back with a massive bang next year. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's it's fair to note. Um, someone just mentioned in the speaker chat, um, JB, who said I thought he had so much more than twenty one possessions, and it did seem like that at the time. And I'm going to mention Wines here as well because I don't think we've mentioned him as well, and he was bloody brilliant. But uh, both Wingard and Wines, I don't think touched the ball. Uh, pretty much in that period when we were getting absolutely smacked um, mm. and, and gave up seven goals, six to one behind. I don't think they touched the ball once in that in that time period. So it's interesting to know that uh, you know pretty much your two best players are, are completely shut out of the game. What can happen? <laughs> you shut out the two best midfielders, I guess. Yeah, you're not going to win much ball. And mm. uh, it was just, it was just weird. No, no one was really touching the ball in that period, as we said earlier. It was just it was just a horrendous patch. And I guess that's where, yeah, it'd be nice to hear some journalists actually ask the co- coaches that question. You know, what actually happened, and you know, how do you stop that from happening? Because it is a bit of a frequent occurrence. That if we're going to play finals and go deep in the finals, we. We can't really allow that to happen. Yeah, that's right. Well, let's talk about the SANFL. Port played uh, the Crows at Alberton and won by convincing 58 points, uh, 17 goals, 10 to 8 goals, 6. Uh, Brett Eddy, Billy Frampton and Aidan Johnson kicked three goals. Also Peter Laddams kicked two as well. So a lot of tolls there kicking goals um, at SANFL level as well. Yep. Which is great. Yep. I saw a bit of it. I was on the running machine watching it at the gym. So I can I actually can comment. And Good. Frampton did look like the best tall player out there. Yeah. Um, and I do agree with the people that think Howard's maybe a little bit off, like from getting reselected. I mean, he just didn't get much ball. Yeah. Neither did Mar. Neither did Marshall. Um, but uh, and I thought Aaron Young was a little bit lazy with his execution. Um, so he just seemed a little bit. He seemed a little bit too relaxed, and and he missed targets because of it. But um, he tends but, to do yeah. that at SANFL level a bit. Like he always gets massive numbers, but his ball use can be a little bit sloppy at times. Like he had thirty three touches, eight tackles, and a goal. Um, but yeah, look, he, he did miss some pretty simple targets sometimes. But that's pretty much Aaron Young. Yeah. Well, excuse me. I just think, uh, yeah. I mean, it's probably time for Aaron maybe to find a new club. Next year, um, you know, a little bit up and down and inconsistent. Sarchi was okay. You know, it wasn't great, but wasn't horrible either. It was just a good all-round team performance. And, yeah, uh, um, yeah it was good to yeah. our seconds beat their seconds, I guess, especially at home. And there was a good crowd there too. Mm. Billy Frampton had a massive game, 20 touches, 10 marks, 3 goals. That's, uh, that's a pretty decent day out. Yeah. I mean, he's still, what, developing? What is he, 20? Yeah, twenty twenty one. Yep. Yeah. So it's his third um, season on the list. So I think he's developing well. Like he's gone from being a bit part player at SANFL level to now sort of dominating every second week or so. So yeah, that's um yeah, it's a good position for for both him and the club to be in. I think 
What happened to Jimmy Tumpus? He only had the four touches. Did he get injured? Didn't see him, so he might have got injured in the first half. Okay, there you go. Because I, I hit the treadmill in the second half, so, uh, right. yeah. But no, I'd assume he must have got injured early. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because uh, it's rare for him to have so little of the ball. Yes. Uh, Jesse Palmer, uh, he had a good game, 23 touches, 9 tackles, uh, 5 inside 50s and a goal. Um, again, there's there's not much more that he can really do to sort of put his name up there for AFL selection. He's sort of getting those sorts of uh, figures every week. It was okay. I thought it was an okay game. Like I said, no one really stood out to me like, wow, that, that player is like elite at SANFL level. I thought everyone was serviceable. I, I don't know if it's just the team-orientated game or whatever, but yeah, I guess he's in that, like Arch and Young and, and that, I, I guess... What does he? What does he have to do? Does he just wait? Um, oh, I think he's probably just got to wait, wait it out. Yeah, wait it out, or look for another opportunity. I guess that's the. Uh, I mean, there'd probably be some opportunities coming this year. You'd think uh, this would probably be White's last year. You'd Definitely imagine. White's last year. You would think. So, um, I mean, he was pretty quiet on the on the weekend against West Coast. So. Yeah, does his spot maybe potentially come up for grabs for for someone like a Palmer, or is it was that not a like for like? It's probably not like for like, but you'll think we'll likely lose White and Monfries and Cracker. Um, There's obviously the potential to lose Archie and possibly Young as well. So that's a lot of those sort of depth players around Jesse Palmer's sort of spot in the squad. So I think if he stays next year, he's automatically going to sort of bump up a few spots and get more potential for game time next year. Can I just say that I, I'm a big advocate for a Mumphreys or a Cracker or a Palmer coming in for Sam Gray? Cracker? Really? Any of them. Any of them. Mm. They were well, used Sam Gray didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think Sam Gray's done a decent job, to be honest. Like, no. he, he cops a lot of flack, but he had his worst game no. for the year on the weekend. Like, he just seemed to get lost in the pockets a bit. But um, mm. And we know he's not a great shot at goal. But uh, but he's a, he's a half forward. He's a yeah, small forward. I don't know. I've, I like that he is able to get big numbers for the bowl. Um, and, and I yeah, don't think he's been as bad as what people make out he has been. Uh, his disposal's average. He's just and he can't. He's too small. He can't hold a tackle, and he just goes for a small player. He goes to ground too often. I I just I'm with Finbar on this one. I I think it's time to go, Sammy. No offense to Sam. I mean, he's. I try to. I respect every player that wears the poor Guernsey. Actually, I respect any player that can play AFL because it's an amazing feat, you know, of uh, skill and fitness. But at mm. the same time, I just think. He's just a little bit too weak for AFL football physically. And, yeah, uh, look, you're possibly right. But I just think, well, do we have someone on the list that's going to do a better job than what Sam Gray's doing? It's like Porsche's old theory about Matt Thomas like or Tom Logan. Like, If you want a game, you've got to be better than those sorts of guys. Like, Even though we were sort of ruining the fact that Matt Thomas and, and Tom Logan were regulars uh, for such a long time, was there really anybody else sort of pushing for selection to push them out. So you've got to be better oh, than let's, Sam Gray. Let's, let's not confuse the logic of Porsche with the, with a, a good argument of uh, just emotion. Mm. Get him out. Out. I'd rather 10 possessions a cracker than 20 of Sam Gray. 
I'd rather no possessions of Cracker at AFL level. You're writing him off. I wrote him off last year, and I, I, I said it numerous times that we shouldn't uh, renew his contract. Okay. I'd, what about 10 possessions of Mumphreys to 20 of Sandro? No, that'd be all right. Well, there you go. There you go. I've already found it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Took me two players. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, pretty much it for this evening, I reckon. Awesome. Good stuff. Get ready. A good win. So, here's the question, the last question of the podcast. How many games are we going to win for the rest of the year? Ah, good question. There's seven left. Yep. We just went through the fixture before the show. Yep. I'm going to go six. Six. I'm going to go six as well. Six. I'm going to say six. Yep. I'm, we've, I'm we've happy got with a, six. We've got a good run home. We do. There's a couple of hard games this? there. There's no. There's three really tough games, but I would hope we can beat St Kilda at uh, Adelaide Oval. Um, we're as good a chance as any of beating the Crows this time around. And, uh, and the Melbourne game... Um, that, that's probably the hardest of the lot. What do we need to to do in the last seven to keep our top four spot? Do you reckon? I think if we win six yeah. out of seven, definitely top four. Do you reckon five out of seven? Do you think that's enough to keep our top four spot? So long as the two teams that we beat as part of that five are Melbourne and St Kilda, then yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, really what we want now is the top three teams to just keep winning, don't we? Yeah, probably, yep. Because they're going to beat all those mid-range teams that are fighting with us. So, yeah. um, And let's face it, what, what we really want is for Adelaide just to win every game and finish top and we finish fourth. Yeah. I mean, the, because... I, I would say our main rival for top four at the moment is probably Sydney. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the one to worry about. And that's got to be a cracker of a game this week with them against GWS. So yeah. um, I'm getting into Porsche's showtime now talking about that. But, you know, so, I mean, that's that's what I was saying. In a way, we really want GWS to win. Mm. But in but a way, see, we don't Sydney want Sydney have a really to tough run home. Like, they've got GWS. They play Geelong. They play... Uh, St Kilda as well. Good. Because um, <laughs> they're looking ominous. And they play and the Crows. So they've they're, <laughs> they're got, got a, a tough run home. But they've got a great team. So uh, we want them having a tough run home. Because yeah. to be honest, I'd rather um, they're missing out in, on finals if we can help it. So going by that, I would I would pretty confidently say if, if we win five games, we will make top four. Because um, mm-hmm. I can't see Richmond winning six games, which they would need to do. Yeah. Um, and if Melbourne and St Kilda and Sydney drop some of those games, then, yeah, I, I can't see anybody else knocking us off. Well, I mean, So that's the, the challenge. Is, Can we go 5-2 for the rest of the year? Mm. I think the Melbourne game will tell us a lot. It will. It will. Melbourne away. But it's, uh, it's very, very intriguing. I'm, I'm excited now. The West Coast winners re-energise me for the rest of the year. Yep. Good, yeah. good. 
That's what good. do you think? Can it be an all? Will it be an all Adelaide grand final? The talks already started. Grand final. Uh, I hope. Grand not. final. No, you don't want a grand all Adelaide grand final. No, no, no. Or no. South Australia. No. Better terminology. No. Nope. Why is that? That would be terrible. It'd be like the old Port Norwood days. <laughs> Uh, can I sit, if if it is, can I sit next to you again, Macca? Oh, probably. Yeah. While I vomit, like yes, most of the game. Yeah. And I'll just sit there eating potato chips the whole game, going, "Wow, this is amazing." <laughs> Macca's crying again. Wow, yes. this is amazing. Yes. Ah. Well, I hope I wouldn't be crying that day. But... No, we'll be winning, mm. and we'll be cheering, hugging Tears of joy. joy. That's it. Yes. Right. Awesome. All right. All right. We're, we're getting Until ahead next of ourselves. Time. Till next time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Can the pair. Don't forget to get your tax in. Bye-bye. Gathered, though, by Broadbent through the middle of the ground. Now a long kick down in the Paul Stewart direction. He marks and plays on. He keeps his footing. Got away from Ferrito to 